Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Mackenzie campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. Hey, it is, uh, it is great to be back here at Mackenzie. I was here just a, a few weeks ago, so uh, it is good to be back uh, here visiting from City Campus this morning, and I want to echo what Jay said uh, before, just about your generosity. Uh, apologies for those who were here when I preached last, but I, I gave a really quick update, and I want to say thank you uh, for all that you've done in sending us. It's been almost a bit scary. It's been almost two years since we planted uh, in the city. It's the latest campus uh, of Gateway, the fifth campus, and uh, it has been a joy. It's been a, it's been a roller coaster. COVID has been fun, but It's been a joy to see lives transformed, to see people enter into Christian community for the first time, for the first time in a long time, and to see ministry started like the care ministry that Jason was talking about, seeing more and more people in our city who are in desperate need uh, hear the good news and receive the good news. And uh, I do, I want to say thank you for your generosity. I want to say thank you for your faithfulness. I want to say thank you for your prayers. God is doing a good thing in our city, and it is exciting to see what is going on And it is a joy to be with you here this morning. As Jason said, we are kicking off a new series today across our campuses called A Better Story. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be reminding ourselves of the story that we have been invited to walk in, to live in. As Christians, we are part of a better story. We're part of the best story. A story of love, grace, power, wonder, redemption, salvation. It's a great story, isn't it? It's a great story that we're part of, but sometimes we forget. And so over this series, we're going to journey together and remind ourselves of that which we've been invited into. And more than that, my prayer is that we'll have confidence to share that story with others. You know, stories matter, don't they? Because stories tell something about who we are. That's what we've been doing today with Anzac Day. We have been recalling the story of the past and celebrating the past because it tells us something about who we are and what we value. The stories we believe about ourselves matter greatly because they influence our decisions every day. They shape everything that we do from how we spend our money and time to the careers we pursue the investments we make, and the people we spend time with. Ultimately, it informs what and where our fulfillment and our happiness can be found. The stories we believe matter because they form us, they shape us in deep ways. Or to put it in spiritual language, the stories we believe about ourselves matter because they ultimately disciple us. The stories we believe matter because they disciple us. As Alastair McIntyre writes, he says, Man in his actions and practice, as well in his fictions, is essentially a storytelling animal. He is not essentially, but becomes through his history, a teller of stories that aspire to truth. I can only answer the question, what am I to do, if I can answer the prior question, of what story or stories do I find myself part of? We can only answer the question, what am I to do, if I can answer the prior question, what story 
am I part of? I want to ask you this morning, what story are you part of? What story are you living? See, it's really important because it shapes, it tells us where we find meaning, value, and hope, and ultimately it tells us where we can find happiness, redemption, and salvation. It's important to understand because we live in a world of competing stories. We live in a secular culture now that tells us, that has a script that is filled with many different stories that compel us to follow, to live, and obey. And the secular script, the secular narrative goes a little bit like this. It's the celebration of personal expression in response to our feelings and desire, desires. We live today in a hyper-individualistic, I can't even say it, individualistic. I have said that about 500 times over the last three days. Hyper-individualistic age. In other words, to use smaller language, it's all about me. It's all about the self. Not only is it about the individual, but we live in a hyper-consumeristic age which says it's all about what I can get. It's all about what I can experience. And I reckon there's two big rocks. I'm sure there's many, but there's two underpinning truths that sit under this secular narrative. Firstly, we must reject authority. We must reject authority. To experience freedom and happiness, we must throw away anything, any power structure, any claim, any overarching narrative, political, religious, or tradition that imposes itself on our own self-expression. We must reject authority and we must embrace authenticity. Authenticity is the mantra of the age. See, to live our best life, we must create our own truth, celebrate our unfettered feelings and desires, and therefore curate our own authentic self. Surely you've heard these kind of narratives in the world through media. That is the world that we are in. And it's important to name this. It's important to identify this because, this, is, this might be a little bit controversial, we are all secular now. We're all secular now. We all live in a secular culture this is the water in which we swim. And this is a significant change. See, many of us think of secular and the sec secularism in, in, in polarity to religion. Historically, that's how secular was understood. We go back through uh, history, we see that you, it was either the secular or the sacred, the secular or the religious. That is the world in which it was seen. That is how secularity was identified and defined. And maybe that's how you see it. It's those out there who are secular, but we are part of the religious. But I'm here to tell you that I actually think that's wrong. Philosopher Charles Taylor identifies the history of secular and articulates that that has changed and we are in a new age. And he articulates this, that, that a society is secular insofar as religious beliefs or beliefs in God is understood to be one option amongst many. Secular culture now 
accepts religious thought, but it accepts all thoughts or part of religion, or this way, you can choose your own religion, or no religion at all. We live in a world that is pluralistic. We live in a world that embraces multiple truth claims. And so it's important for us to understand that that is the world that we are in, and in some way or another, we are all affected, or I might say infected, by this world view. It's the water in which we swim, both outside the church and inside the church. We're all impacted. And the reason we need to see this, the reason why we need to have eyes to see this is because the secular narrative, the secular script is seeking to disciple us. And unless we can see it, we will fall for it. We will hear it and we will march to its tune. And I see it as a pastor. I have conversations with colleagues, contemporaries. I have conversations with parents. I have many conversations, conversations with the emerging generations who are grappling with their own faith and their own story and they're not quite sure what they're to believe or where they're to position themselves, what they're to take hold of in this world. And we see it in the church Again, particularly with emerging generations, we're seeing them abandon their Christian heritage and their Christian faith. We need to be able to see the story and the stories that are pressuring us, that are luring us, that are calling us out. But we need to have hope. might sound a little bit dire at the moment, but here's the thing. The secular narrative the secular story is failing. If we're willing to have a look, we can see that things are not quite as rosy as the proponents of secularism would like us to believe. I love what Mark says, the Australian pastor from Melbourne says, it's quite a long quote, so here we go. Our culture, which holds to a myth that it will inevitably progress towards a utopian future in which individuals also progress morally, is caught in an emotional and moral regression. It is not just at the macro level that the secular myth of progress is being challenged. We see the rise of anxiety and mental health disorders, falling IQ levels, epidemic loneliness and social disconnection, widespread online bullying and the persistence of discrimination, bigotry and hatred. Addictions to drugs, food, technology, sex, gambling, and relationships are widespread. Obesity is rising, becoming a full-blown health issue. In the West, poor mental health is now normative among emerging generations. Life expectancy in the West's two most powerful nations, the United States and the United Kingdom, have fallen for the last three years running. With all these factors in place, we can see how many are having their moment of doubt for the post-Christian revival seems to be running aground. And in the midst of all of this, we as Christians can have confidence and know that we are part of a better alternative, a better story, an alternative story, a greater story. We've been invited into a wonderful story that speaks of sacrifice, of redemption, of meaning, hope, and purpose. And when we truly get it, you know this, right? It changes everything. 
It changes everything. And so over the coming weeks, we're going to go on this story, this overarching biblical narrative. Many of you have heard it. Creation, fall, covenant. God comes and makes covenant with his people. The pinnacle is Christ comes, God comes. The birth of the church and the coming of the Holy Spirit. And then finally, the return of Jesus, judgment and eternity. That is the narrative, that's the story we're invited into and that's what we're going to be doing over the next few weeks so you don't want to miss it. You need to be here every week to, to hear part of the story that we are all invited into. Today we start at the very beginning because, as Julia Andrews said, it's a very good place to start. So we're going to start at creation. Three things I want us to grab hold of this morning. Firstly, we are created on purpose. Secondly, we are created with a personal identity. And thirdly, we are created for loving presence. Let's jump into Genesis. Genesis chapter 1, if you've got your Bibles with you. I know that's a huge preamble. I don't think it'll be like that from now on. That was just setting the scene. I hope, hope you're now oriented, ready to go. Genesis 1, 26 to 28, the words are going to be on the screen behind me. Open your Bible, we're going to be sitting in these three verses, these three profound verses, the narrative of humanity. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and over all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. We see as God creates humanity, he does it with purpose. We are created on purpose. Now, I've never been particularly skilled at design, handy, handy work or at building. And I'm also not very patient. So that created problems very, very early on in our marriage as we, like many couples, as they begin their life together, go out and buy flat pack furniture. Can anyone relate to going to Ikea? And I reckon there's a whole bunch of men who will relate with me uh, who, who open up the box. We had multiple boxes. I just rip it open. I see all the bits. I see that bag with all the screws and that useless Allen key. And then, and then you grab the instructions. And I, I used to look at the instructions and go, that is, that, it all looks very simple. I'll figure this out and I would just plow ahead and try and put together the furniture. But as things would progress, I'd get more and more frustrated because it wouldn't quite look the way it should. And I'd get more and more angry with Megan who was critiquing my skills and abilities. And then I would step back and I'd look at my creation, and it would often look something like this. Or like this. We got the other one. Just not quite right. And then we'd have another terse conversation, which would threaten the existence of our marriage before I would undo things and go back to the script. Go back to the instructions. I learned a bunch of things in those days, in those times. Here are the two main ones. Firstly, not trusting the script leads to frustration and pain. And the other one is that thank God he made us and not me. And I thank God that he didn't create us in flat pack 
because that would have been a disaster. See, when we look at this passage, we see a God who has created us with intent and design. I don't know if you picked up on this, but it kind of repeats itself. It starts, then God said, let us make mankind. Let us. What's God doing? He's having a conversation. God is having, he's having a planning meeting with, with who, now some theologians say that God is talking, he says, let us, he's talking to other heavenly beings. Other theologians suggest that perhaps we are getting a picture of the, of the Trinity. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, eternally past, present, and future, having a conversation about how they're going to create the apex of creation, humanity. Either way, we're seeing that a meeting is going on. A conversation is taking place. And there's something really important to grab hold of here. God's word is his action. Verse 26 talks about God's word. And then we see it repeated almost word by word in verse 28. God speaks and then he acts. And God is intentional in the way in which he creates us. It's not abstract, it's not random, it's not accidental, it is thought through. Like an architect and a builder planning a construction, there is deliberation, then there is application. There is design. And we are made in the most complex of ways. I don't have time this morning to go into the arguments for and against science and all that kind of stuff. What I would say, that there is plenty in creation when we look at the complexity of design for us to go, surely there is somebody behind this. The complexity that of the world and our human bodies and everything that is in it. You know, mathematically, if we look at all the factors, just by mere fact that we are here is astronomical. I mean, there are a whole bunch of particular conditions for life to exist. Stuff like DNA and the sun and oxygen and a whole range of different forces. One of those forces is gravity. And gravity is finely tuned so that we can live here and exist on Earth. And the odds of gravity to randomly but be perfectly tuned so that life can exist is one in one with 60 zeros after it. It's such a large number that I, I can't even tell you what it is. Or to put it in another way, the odds of gravity being just the right way it is so that we can live is like, it's the same odds as rolling six on a, uh, with a dice 80 times in a row. And so we're going to do that today. I'm just going to try. No, I'm not. Because math, math, mathematicians have figured it out. It take, it'll take trillions and trillions of years of me rolling the dice to roll it and get six 80 times in a row. And that's just one factor out of hundreds. We are made with intent. We are made on purpose. We are made with design. And the story of creation, when we understand that, it changes, it shapes our story. It gives us a sense of meaning and value and purpose. And it invites us into wonder. You know, when we acknowledge that there is a God who has made us, that there is a transcendent God who has, who has created us and put everything into place in just the right way, fine-tuned us, it gives us great hope. It speaks to us, particularly when we feel like we're out of control. And my goodness, haven't we felt at times like we're out of control in the last year? 
but to know that there is a God who is above all, a God who is supreme, a God who is sovereign, a God who sees all and knows all, a God who is in control, gives us a sense of safety and security when things are out of control. Because by nature, when we feel out of control, anxiety and fear arises. And when we know that there is a transcendent God who is above all that has created us on purpose, it gives us a sense of security. See, the idea of a transcendent source story, a transcendent God, gives us hope, and it goes against the secular script. See, the secular script, I would say, is a story that has lost its wonder. We have lost, in our society today, life with reference to God. You know, statistically, 60% of people will acknowledge that there, there is a God or some kind of divine being in Australia. But even with those numbers, we don't live every day with any reference to God. We don't live thinking about what would God think, what would God do, what does God lead me in. We are practical atheists in our world today. And so we live in the now because we are individualistic, because everything is about the self, because everything is about what we consume now. Everything, to use another big word, is imminent. Everything is about the here and the now, and we are trapped in our own story. And so what we're forced to do is we're forced to create our own imminent gods, our own sense of transcendence, but still within imminence. Does that make sense? So when we look around at our society today, the things that we look forward to, the things that we place our hope in are movie stars and sports heroes and politicians and activists and God forbid even Christian celebrities. See, in our secular disenchanted world, we have lost a sense of the transcendent. And it leads to this malaise, this imminence, this lack of wonder, this lack of joy. As Charles Taylor said, who I referred to before, he says, some people feel terrible flatness in the everyday. And this experience has been identified particularly with commercial, industrial, and consumer society. They feel emptiness of the repeated accelerating cycle of desire and fulfillment. In consumer culture, the cardboard quality of bright supermarkets or neat row housing in a clean suburb, these seekers too seek solutions or ways of filling the lack but within imminence. See, the secular story cannot with all its bells and whistles and cathedrals of stadiums, shopping malls and concert halls, satisfy the deep need in every human heart for a transcendent story. It can't. And the biblical narrative, when we understand that we've been created by God, lifts us out of that story. It lifts us out of that malaise and gives us great joy. We have been created on purpose and we have been created with a personal identity. We read, God created us in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. We have been given identity. We have been given, given value. You, me, we all carry the image, we bear the image of God. And that changes everything. That changes the narrative, no matter how broken you feel. No matter what your story is, God speaks over you. You are mine. I have created you in my image. You carry the image of God. You bear the image of God. Let me give you an example. I want to point to one of my works of wonder. 
In grade eight, I was forced uh, to go to manual arts or shop A. And one of the first things I made was a, I think it was a pencil case or some kind of box. Did anybody else have to make one of these when they went, look, there's a whole stack. Anyone still got them? Got, you still got yours? I've still got mine. It sits pride of place next to my bed in, in one of my drawers. Now, looking at this, there is nothing remarkable about this. I was not good at handiwork. I was not good at manual arts, and I dropped out pretty quick. There's not a straight line here. Nothing's lined up. I mean, the joins are terrible. I had to glue things together. The nails aren't great, and the lid doesn't really slide in properly. But it's mine, and I put things of value in it. You know, inside are all the letters that my wife, Megan, has written to me over the years. Now, if this sat in a shopping mall or if it sat in a market, I'm sure people wouldn't buy it. The only reason they'd buy it is to use it as firewood. (laughs) This has no value to anyone else but to the Creator, to me. This is of deep value to me. I speak life and value over this. I hold onto it. And in the same way, the Creator speaks value over every one of us because we have been created in His image. No matter how broken you feel, no matter what you think about yourself, no matter what other people think about yourself, it does not matter because the Creator says, you are valuable to me. You are created in my image. I love you. And when we get hold of that, it changes everything changes the story forever. We can walk in a new way. We see ourselves in a new way. And secondly, we see others in a new way. Just turn to the person to your left or right and say, you're in the image of God. You're made in the image of God. I know people may not look like it. You may not want to say, but it's true. See, when we understand it, we see and we treat others with great dignity. We have to because we see them in the image of God profoundly changes the story. It changed the story in history. You look at the early church. As they were formed in the Roman culture, they had this radical story. They stepped into a story where they believed in a new way the fact that there was an identity over them. They were created in the identity of God. We read uh, the historian Tom Holland in his uh, book, excellent book, Dominion, he looks at the impact of the early church on the Roman Empire and he observes that in the Christian faith, Dignity was for all. There was no human existence so wretched, none so despised or vulnerable that it did not bear witness to the image of God. Changed the narrative. It changed history. The fact that that the early church understood that dignity was for all because they were created in the Imago Dei, the image of God, it meant that they loved in a radical way. And it has changed the narrative forever so that we live in Western democracy now that celebrates and and values The worth of every person dates back to the early church. Changed the story. Changed their story. It's changed our story. See, when we're created in the image of God, we see ourselves and we see others in a new way. And it liberates us in a new freedom. God has invited us, therefore, in his image to create, to bring value, to bring order out of chaos And that is true freedom. God gives us the frameworks of creation to bring order, to use the things he's given us. He's given us our bodies, our sexuality, our passions, our gifts and abilities, our intelligence, our emotions, all to bring value as image bearers of God. But we live in a world also that is obsessed with identity. 
But rather than identity being bestowed upon us, it is something we have to manufacture and create. See, the secular script tells us that we define our own personhood in isolation from the other, and we determine our identity based on our desires. And so you will see this. There are different identity markers that are at play in our world today. It could be, on, it could be around sexuality or politics or what you wear or how you appear or the circle of people that you spend time with or your career or the experiences that you pursue. And as we define our identity on these terms, then we demand that the world affirm us, validate us, and value our chosen identity. See, identity is based on extrinsic value rather than internal or intrinsic value. And so we must see the world in polemic terms. It's me versus you. It's us versus them. It's group versus group. It's left versus right. I could go on. And ultimately, it leads to deep insecurity. It leads to deep anxiety. Tim Keller says, modern identity is highly performative. You must realize your inner dreams and desires or constantly perform your suffering. This leads to fragility and a need for constant reaffirmation. No wonder any criticism at all is crushing or feels controlling. But we're part of a better story. We're lifted out of that anxiety and fear to perform. We're drawn out of that whole narrative and story that says, I am what I do. I am how I perform. And so Keller goes on to say, Christian's deepest identity is in Christ, who loves and accepts us counter-conditionally, despite all our flaws. Christian identity is received, not achieved, taking enormous pressure off us to perform and merit our own affirmation. That's the story we're part of. It changes the script. We are invited into a story that is filled with love. We are accepted for who we are. God speaks over us. He says, I have created you. I love you. I have invited you in. You are mine. I love you. That is the story that we're part of, and it's the story that we are encouraged. We need to invite others into. Now, I'd love to invite somebody who's been invited into that story recently. Kelly Hunt comes to our city campus, and uh, she has been on a journey of stepping into this wonderful new story. Would you give Kelly a huge hand as she comes this morning? Goodness. It's a bit bigger than city, isn't it, It's a it, bit Kelly? bigger than city. <laughs> Look at all these friends I haven't met yet. Goodness. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Hey, Kelly, uh, thanks so much for coming and hanging out with me at Mackenzie this morning at Big Church. Thank you. Um, hey, uh, just tell us a little bit about your journey, your story into church uh, at Gateway. Sure. Uh, so uh, I don't come from a family of faith. That's not my story. Um, so uh, that, that wasn't part of my journey at all, but I do have some very close friends of mine who 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 do live a life of faith, who come to Mackenzie. They're not here today, but shout out to Brendan, Louise, Warwick and Kim this morning. Much love to you. Um, I've, I've known Brendan and Louise in particular for quite a few years and I know, I know that, that living a life of faith is an expression for them. Uh, but myself, I, I, I don't come from a family of faith and I'd been 
to carols here a couple of times over the years. And the only other time I'd been to church was for weddings or funerals, really. I didn't really have any relationship or grounding in this conversation at all. Um, It was about this time last year, in fact, reflecting on, on my journey, it's about a year. I've been coming to church for a year. I've hit one year. Uh, I don't know if that's celebrated. Uh, I bought myself a <laughs> Yeah. Go on, tell us what you did. You. What have you done? Yesterday, I went out and bought myself some cake. <laughs> I'm going to eat that when I get home this morning. <laughs> I don't know if it's a thing to celebrate anniversaries of coming now. to church. It is now, I, I, I'm pushing to make it a thing. Uh, I like eating cake. Any excuse for that. Um, but it was, it, was a, it was about this time last year, uh, COVID lockdown was in place and I live on my own and I was on my own. And it was Sunday morning, I got up at a quarter to eight, um, I'd opened Facebook and had started a mindless scroll um, and Brendan posted um, something that stopped my scroll and his post, I forget exactly what it said, but it said something like, please join me for church this morning. And he'd shared the link to Gateway Online. And I'm looking at this link, I'm like, I don't know about church at all. Uh, and I had a few moments of, am I, am I going to do it, am I not? And, it, and in the end, I clicked on the link and I was on Gateway Online, uh, and my f- first exposure to this conversation really was the series that was on love that was preached last year. That's when I came in, week one of a conversation about love, and I sat through it. Thankfully, I didn't have to activate my camera because <laughs> I was not out of my pajamas yet, but I could, I could, I allowed myself to just sit and listen, and I listened and engaged in a different conversation about love, and I, the service ended, and I just sat there and went, is that church? Because to me, church is really old people preaching, you know, no. <laughs> my impression of J- church. Jake, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> really old people in, in really traditional type garments. There are normally, I don't know if it's a movie or something I've seen, there are people who are asleep um, at some they, point. <laughs> they often are in my messages. There's a gospel choir at some point. I don't know if Kanye was going to pop out. Like, (laughs) you know, I just, I just had no idea. I had no idea and never allowed myself the opportunity to explore it. And I did during COVID. So every week for about four months, Sunday morning, Gateway Online, I was there lurking because I didn't have to stick my hand up, I just lurked. I was and, then, like, and, and then you, you ju- at the end of COVID, you, yeah, so, I think you've been the most regular person at City Campus. Thank you. Well, for, me, for me, so the announcement was made that restrictions had been lifted and people could attend a service. And I'm like, well, 
for me, it felt like an opportunity for me to reveal myself. Like I'd been enjoying the conversations online and I hadn't told Brendan and Louise at that point that I'd been attending church because I still hadn't worked out what it meant for me um, ongoingly and I I just, it it felt like a time for me to reveal. Yeah, that's good. To to come in person. And and so you've you've been doing the journey. Mm. You decided to do Alpha uh, online. I did. Tell us just really quickly, we, we don't have heaps of time, but just what, what, uh, what, what stood out for you? What, was, what happened for you there? So my experience of, of Alpha was that it was a very welcoming, warm space without any judgment. I had a lot of questions. I kept telling myself I had no questions. I was going to sit there and listen. I actually have a lot of questions, which got answered. But there were two, two experiences that stood out for me. Uh, in my Alpha experience. The first, the first experience was the revelation that I had that Jesus was real. Um, and I've, I discovered he was actually a person that walked the earth. Yeah. And there was actually evidence of that. And I remember in those moments and in that conversation, doubt just let go. There was a let go. I, I have no other way of explaining it or expressing it. And in that moment, I, I gave myself permission to believe. Like my logical brain had been trying to work it all out up until that point, and then it just let go. Um, and that's the moment I was allowed, I allowed myself permission hmm. to believe. Uh, and the second experience I had in my Alpha program came in the conversation about the Holy Spirit, which again, I didn't realize was real and before that conversation, I thought it was something like the force in Star Wars, like was just around, and that's kind of it, but not really. But we were in, the group was in a moment of prayer, and in those moments of prayer, you invited the Holy Spirit to come, come Holy Spirit, come. And in that moment, I have no other way of explaining it, I'm gonna try my best. But it was like I had a bucket of water thrown over me, except it wasn't water in the bucket, it was love. Mm. And it started at my face and just took Mm. over my whole body. And it was love, I'm clear about that. And the other thing about those moments for me that were profound for me was I was experiencing love but my loved ones weren't there. It was just the love of being in a space with people who I had not known for very long. Yeah. So the possibility of loving, of experiencing love in the presence of people I don't know that well was a revelation for me, yeah. a really profound moment. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. Finally, you got five seconds. Right. What would you say to anybody who's thinking about coming to Alpha or inviting someone to Alpha? If you're thinking of coming to Alpha, then my my invitation to you is to please register and complete it. Um, The reason I took up the opportunity to complete Alpha at pretty much the first moment that I was given the opportunity is I I know this about myself, I know this about myself. If I think about something for too long, I will talk myself out of it. 
I just will. I procrastinate, I overthink, I ruminate, I worry. For me, something said, Alpha is a good next step for you, do it. And before I could think about it, I'd filled out the registration yeah. card. If you're thinking of inviting somebody to Alpha, then my request of you is please invite them. It's so lovely to be invited to do something. Like it, it is actually really, really nice. And Brendan's invitation for me to join him for church that day, was it landed for me as a really nice invitation and I accepted it. I'm pretty clear I wouldn't be standing here if I didn't accept that invitation and even yeah. Brendan would have no idea the impact of that invitation yeah. that day right. would have on me and my life. Right. It's had a profound impact. So if you're thinking of inviting someone to Alpha, my, my invitation, my request of you is please ask them. It's really nice to be asked. I'm grateful I was asked. Great final word. Hey, why don't you thank Kelly <laughs> this morning. <laughs> thank, thank, you. thank you, Kelly. Thank you. Take this. You've heard the story that Kelly has stepped into and it is worth sharing. We are part of a better story. I'm going to get the band up. We're going to land here this morning with one final thought. We are created for loving presence. You heard it with Kelly just now. That there is something about how we are created that is for community. Let me break it down really quickly. God is community. We heard that before. We're created in the image of God, therefore we're created for community. God created us, male and female, to be in relationship with one another. We need connection. And then thirdly, we're created for community with God. This beautiful passage in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, where God comes down and walks in the cool of the day. His presence is designed. He wants to be with his people. He wants to be with you. We see it all throughout Scripture, and we see it in the story of Kelly that God wants every one of us to know His loving presence. We live in a world today that is racked with loneliness. Never have we been more connected, yet been more lonely. And tragically, we see today that people are killing themselves at higher rates than ever before. In the age bracket between 15 and 44, it's suicide that is the highest uh, a cause for death in that age bracket. And perhaps even more profoundly, in the age bracket 45 to 64, suicide is the third highest killer in that age bracket, in an older demographic. It's tragic. So we live in a, in a story, we live in a story that is failing, but God invites us into loving presence. He wants us to be in community. He invites us into life. He invites us into a better story. And maybe you are sitting here today and you've forgotten that story. You've been a Christian a long time and perhaps the, the other stories and other narratives have got in. You found yourself disconnected, alone. You found yourself anxious. You're trying to curate your own identity. You're not okay with who you are because God has created you. Do you feel like you need to fill yourself with other things? You've stepped into another story. I believe today that God is wanting to remind us, remind you afresh that you are part of a better story and you can have confidence to share that story. If you're here today and perhaps you haven't stepped into the story, 
Maybe you're not a Christian. You haven't entered. Maybe this is your first time to church. Or maybe you've been coming for a little while. The invitation for you is to step into that story. I'd love to talk to you at the end of the service. I'd love for you to grab this card. I'd love for you to sign up to Alpha and get along to Alpha and do the journey. But today, what I'd love us to do as we land, as we finish this morning, I'd love us in a, in a, in a moment of connection, of loving presence as we acknowledge God here today. If you know that, that God wants, you need to be reminded, you need to step afresh into this story. Maybe the story has become dry, the wonder has gone, and you've lost the excitement. I want to invite you just to do a really simple thing, but it's a symbol of going, I'm stepping back into the story of God. I'm stepping back into the story of wonder. I'm stepping back into the story of redemption. I'm stepping back into the story of identity. I'm stepping back into the story of love. The story of love. If that's you today, I reckon there's a bunch of us. I reckon there's a stack of us who just go, yes, that's me. I want that afresh. I need to be renewed afresh. If that's you, and we're going to sing in a minute, I'm just going to invite you to stand right now because I'd love to pray for you. If that's you, just stand where you are. I want to be refreshed. I want to be reminded of the story that I've been invited. Come on, stand. I reckon there's a bunch. Come on. Stand where you are. Come on, anyone else? Just stand where you are. I'd love to pray for you. This is going to be the start of a journey for you where you recover the wonder of the journey that you're in. Maybe you can call it a recommitment, but maybe you can just call it, yes, Lord, I want more. I want more confidence and courage in the narrative. Come on, is there anyone else? All right, come on. I'm not asking you to jump off a cliff. I'm just asking you to say, yes, I want more. Anyone else? Awesome. Okay. For those who are standing, if just people around, can you just extend a hand if your family members, just lay a hand on them. I'd love to pray for you who are standing and I'd love to pray for all of us. And then we're going to sing a song of worship that says we remember, we remind ourselves of the story that we're in. Come on. Lay a hand and join me as I pray for these guys today. God, we thank you that you love us. Over anything else, Lord God, you have a plan for us. You've mapped it out for us. We are invited into a wonderful story and you've given us the script. Lord, for those of us whose heart has grown cold today, where the story has kind of dissipated and there are other competing stories that have stepped into our heart. We've lost the identity that you've given us. Lord God, will you renew? Will you refresh right now all of us? And those particularly who are standing, will you re-energize them? Will you give them a fresh sense of wonder, a fresh sense of grace, a fresh sense of life and purpose? Will you fill them with meaning? Will you fill them with your Holy Spirit? Come Holy Spirit right now and pour out your love into their hearts. By the Holy Spirit, come, pour out your Spirit. Fill us, Lord God, as your church. Fill us afresh. Give us a new confidence to walk in this way, in this life, in this culture, in our society for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, why don't we stand where we are right now? We're going to worship and we're going to sing just a bridge as we sing. 
Remember our God, how He saves us. Come on, as a church, as a community, in the presence of God, His people, let's remind ourselves and sing and declare that He speaks a better story over us. Come on, let's worship. created in your image. We're created for purpose, with an identity and for presence with you and with others. God, may we carry that. God, may we carry the better story in our hearts, our minds and our lives. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for being with us this morning. Make sure you come next week as we continue to tell the story that we are all invited into a better story. Have a great day. Have a great long weekend. And we will see you next week. Bless you. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If you've made a decision to follow Christ, we would love to encourage you on your journey. Help us help you by going to gatewaybaptist.com.au and clicking on Get Connected. 